One. So everyone stopped shopping at Walmart and they went to Target? Or it's a case of high bar, low bar. Leaders to laggards. We'll talk Cisco, Walmart, Palo Alto Networks. Macy's catches a bid. Abibaba getting destroyed, even though some good news out of China. Ryan Dietrich's going to join us at 835. He's been spot on. It's Thursday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We're starting out in the red by Dodd Nine Handles. Kind of a weak close yesterday and not the greatest earnings. So here we are, down eight and a half handles at 45, 10 and a quarter. The buck bouncing back. I know there's a double bottom uh, from the last two sessions on the dailies, little up 11 cents, 104.38. Bonds recovering uh, from yesterday's hit, up a little over a half a point, just under 115. Crude moving towards the low of the move, down 46 cents at 76.33. And gold up 330 at 1967.60. Bitcoin, or excuse me, silver in the green too by 15.7 cents. And Bitcoin futures are down 580 bucks. Not bad after yesterday's big rally. So let's bring in Triple D here. And before we do any market talk here at Dennis... Yeah. I want you to know that I I'm a per I want to comp I compromise right so this is what I'm going to do live in front of you. We're going to take the first stock of the day, Walmart. Okay, WMT to get the correct. Oh, symbol. you're going to get rid of a chart for me. <laughs> I know and, what he's doing because I can play the four chart system. And I'm going to minimize. I like this. Now okay. I can tell what's happening. And but now pre market, I need to see the pre market. I know, I know, I know. We're gonna make now, it big. We're pre market, there you prep go. big pre market charts. There you go. That's my vote. Pre market okay. prep shows big pre market charts. I that's what I want to see. That's it's... what I like. That's the new layout. That should be the layout for everyone. We got the big pre market on the left, and then you know, you got the longer term picture on the right. That's all you need right there. I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna nix that 60 minute chart. I am gonna delete forever. the 60 minute chart. I Look love this new light. Make that a little bit bigger. Bring yeah, it down oh, all the way up. down to the bottom. I okay. love it. Okay, and then everybody daily, says they like it so far. You love the daily, right? But the I daily do. I it, do. you know it shows you the net. And even right? all that yearly, get good idea for the last 10 years, Walmart's just been going straight up. I love it. I love it. Okay. okay. So I'm going to go. Everybody likes it. File. Finally. Easy Mike says, finally, we've got it. Richard yeah. says, yes, it's cool. Falling Knife says, I like it. Brian says, it's perfect. Mitch is in the background and he's coming in. And we want to know if Mitch likes the new charts because I think Mitch is with me too. Money Mitch, come in here, please. He's with <laughs> us. We found the new layout. We found the new layout. Sound I love alarm. it. So happy. Dogs and cats going. living in harmony. It's awesome. <laughs> Everything is awesome again. 
It's a dog, right. dog world. Joel for president. Joel for president 2024. I'll tell you, we'll get to the stocks after this. And, and you said one thing because during our little spat. Oh, common 2024, man. You, Come said, on, right. you said, yeah. I said, Joel you go, I said, this is the 15 and this is the 60. And he goes, why, why do you have both? I said, because you want to see the after hours and the pre-market. So what I did is I went to the 30 minute. Nice. Now we see like, it all. Yeah. Okay. Where are we? Everyone things. loves this. Bill says really? he likes it better as well. Whoop whoop says Brian. We have it all figured out. All our regulars are saying you did it. Made a good call here, Joel. And now you can clearly see the pre-market action Walmart. It is ugly, <laughs> folks. This is what is called leaders to lag. No, no. What are you talking leaders. about, Dennis? This is just a, the latest rollback sale. At Walmart. <laughs> you Mitch, like that one, right? It's early. It's 804. It's too early for puns. Mitch, money, oh. Mitch, give us these numbers here. What we'll, did we'll roll it back. Say? We'll give you the discount here. Uh adjusted EPS here coming in at a dollar fifty-three, beating the dollar fifty-two estimate. Sales of 160.8 billion beat the 159.55 billion estimate. They raised fiscal year 24 sales and adjusted EPS guidance. Raise sales guidance, um, adjusted EPS guidance here at from 636 to 646. Now that's 640 and 648. Total U.S. comp uh, sales were up 4.7%, excluding fuel. I mean, where's the bad in this report, guys? That ain't that bad. You know what the bad is? Low bar, high bar. Joel said it right off the bat. I just tweeted it to Joel. Low bar, high bar. Target had the lowest bar ever. Walmart had the highest bar ever. Walmart was in an all-time high going into this report. Target was basically at like a how many year low. Bring up that target because we got that information on the right chart too. We were, at a, we were at a four-year low basically in Target and an all-time high in Walmart. Low bar, high bar. That's the case. That's the story. That is what has happened here. Walmart was going to absolutely need to blow it away after we watched Target rally $18 yesterday. It didn't happen. It was a good report, but not a great report, and they needed a great report. Knocking it down 10 bucks that's significant. But you are seeing this, man. This is what we're seeing is the, the laggards of this market, a.k.a. Macy's, which we'll get to in a second, are those stocks that they're buying right now. Oh, man, these low-piece stocks, we love them again because the TLT was having a little bit of fun running up to 90. So it turned us into this whole PE conversation again. And Walmart's uh, just looking evaluation higher, obviously, than Target. Low bar, high bar, that is the case. Joel, spot on. 155.55 is pre-market low. I, I, the way this market's been moving and the way things have happened, I hasten to say that, you know, it's going to hold, but man, it's going to, it has to thicken up a little bit here on the way down. I, that's what I'm thinking. So, uh, the dailies don't give you anything. I'm just going to go last month's low was 151.65. I don't think we're going to see that today. 2 million shares have traded. I don't really trust that last 30-minute bar because I think that uh, they probably got some uh, uh, some APM prints. I don't, it didn't really trade back over 162, did it, Dennis? Is it that volatile? Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, no, yeah. I, no, I don't. No, Joel. That was probably the 8, eight okay. o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I would just wait for it to calm, uh, calm down on the 15-minute chart. You know, we have the 30 up here. But pre-market law, I'll, I'll give that. That's a good level. If it comes back down there again on the upside, 
who knows where where this thing is going to be. But um, going to take a lot more sellers to push it down. Two million shares have traded, and wow, I, it was trading at all time high. It's such a rug pull for investors, way over and, the strap. PE of Walmart is thirty two. Ford P is only 24, but P of Walmart Ooh. is 32. That is expensive, folks, for a retailer. It does not really get, unless you're Costco. Costco will have even higher PE. Target PE, 16. After the run. This is after the run. So, I mean, this is just a case of high PE, low PE as well. And right now, they are buying low PE stocks, and they are actually starting to sell high PE stocks. We saw this with NVIDIA yesterday, and that's a bigger conversation. But you're definitely seeing in the last couple of days leadership change. And I don't know if that sticks, but at least it's sticking here for the last couple of days. Maybe we should go to that Macy's report. Go off the script here because we'll stick with the retailers here, Mitch. I know we were going to talk Cisco and Palo Alto Networks, which we're definitely going to talk. But let's talk about Macy's because it's a good example of what I'm talking about here. Go to that report. Macy's Q3 adjusted EPS coming in at 21 cents. This may not be comparable to the two cent estimate. Sales of 4.86 billion beat the 4.79 billion estimate. Macy's Q3 comparable sales were down 7% on an own uh, basis and down 6.3% on an own plus license basis. Gross margins of 40.3%, up 160 basis points year over year. And merchandise inventories down 6% year over year. That's one trend that I'm going to continue watching in these kind of apparel retailers, of course, is looking for that merchandise inventory to actually be down. Might actually be a good thing in this time. I mean, I'm looking at this report and thinking, ah, it's okay. Um, it's okay. Not great. And, and that's okay. a, that's fine. That's fine and for the seasonality laggard, time, right? And, and when you're a laggard, Mitch, like Macy's, and you're sitting at a multi-year low, which we are, I mean, we're not at the COVID lows, but if you knock out the COVID lows, that's just for a fun thing. Knock out the COVID lows when we were thought everything was going out of business. So forget about those lows in there. Macy's is sitting, I don't know, Joel, you got to go look at your charts here, bring it up um, in the top left corner or top bottom left corner. I mean, if you knock out that 2020 low, how many years has it been? Since Macy's was down at 11 or 12 bucks. I mean, I don't know. You got to go way farther than 10 years. I'm going to go to a different oh, system. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're looking. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying knock out that whole 2020 business because they got killed. They were going out of business and then it took a while for them to come back. So we just uh, knock out the whole COVID 2000, thing. Just, the financial crisis. The financial crisis. Going back yeah. to 2007, 2008 was the last I, time. We actually, were this low. uh, 2000, yeah, mid 2009. This was in the 10 handle in yeah. mid 2009. Uh, just uh, you know, moving forward, this is a definition of a laggard. The proof is in the pudding. <laughs> this is what you call a laggard. This is right now a laggard market. I don't know if that continues, but for the last three days since we got that CPI data, that they did it wasn't green light and it was kind of green light by everything the first day, but now it's green light continuing for the laggards. And you're seeing actually some profit taking in the leaders. So, I mean, these rotations is what it's all about. Wicked. This is how, folks, how you get an edge in your trading. Again, to you long-term investors, it doesn't matter. Buy good companies and reasonable valuations. All you need to do on the long term. But we're a trading show here. Money Mitch is a trader. I'm a trader. Joel has been a trader for a long time, although he seems like a long-term investor as of late. Um, I think we've got to just focus and on what trading is. And trading yeah. is all about identifying the drivers and the leadership. And right now, the laggards continue to drive the bus here for the simple reason is that they're thinking, hey, 
rates are have peaked. So we have a green light to buy some of these stocks. Fourteen yeah, just... bucks. Fourteen bucks is a, a big level. Okay. Um, it was the gap area uh, back in that was probably August earnings. It snuck over that in the fourteen handle. Wouldn't have been there if an institution was there. Fourteen thirty-five. So you've backed off a little bit. Uh, there's going to be a lot of paper willing to buy this up a buck off the open. I still, I still like the fourteen-dollar area. If it gets a fort strong fourteen bid, then you got a gap to fill, and that gap goes all the way up to fourteen seventy-six. So if you're waiting on that, nice move for Macy's. People sitting on a lot of profits that just did the short-term play here from uh, the last two sessions, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Let's see if they could care less long-term about Macy's. Let's see what happens and, at 14 bucks. And here uh -huh. is the thing. Laggards or laggards is one more conversation, then you can move on, Mitch, or, or did you have something to add to that? Oh, yeah, I was going to add to this. but Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, I was so what say, I wanted to say is talking. just look. I, I sold the rip on the XRT yesterday. I'm getting to that point where it's just like a lot in three days, right? Um, especially for swing trades, yeah. 9%, 10%, three days. I got to start taking some profits. Uh, so I took completely the XRT off. And this, we had this on on Monday, not Tuesdays particularly. Um, so now I'm even seeing on this trade, like KSS, now towards 25 resistance too. Yeah. Um, that was a trade we were looking at it on Monday, a 50% retracement move near that $21. Right um, back up. 25 bucks right is big up. there. 25 bucks. 25 bucks. You got to pay attention to that in Macy's. That was your September high. You had three highs just under that in November, and then you touched it yesterday. Now you need a 25 bid here uh, for uh, for Kohl's. Nice move here. Nice two day. Wow. Look at those charts. Look at Macy's and Kohl's. Huge moves. Man, those Kohl's, things look huge moves. Identical. Very Absolutely identical. identical. Well, that's why we paratrade Macy's, Kohl's, Nordstrom. Like, I've got all my groupings. Like, basically, like, again, for my own trading and why I've been successful for 23 years, it's not because I'm a great technician. It's not because I have information. It's not, you know, I'm basically trading statistical arbitrage. It's what I'm doing. And statistical arbitrage, slow and steady. It's a boring strategy. To 99% of people are like, bored with it you know when you're talking about little you know intricate strategies there but it works you know just understanding how stocks are interconnected and understanding the rotation Relation. and understanding well these stocks are going to move under these conditions because the market is more predictable in that way so i mean all i'm trading is odds you know and that's what i learned at bright trading all my years like so if i go back just to my when i started trading 1996 I was looking at charts, looking at this, I got head and shoulders. Well, I sell the head and shoulders and I buy the cup and handles. In 97, 98, 99, <laughs> I was just buying stocks. I never shorted a stock back then. And look at what the market went straight up at 96, 97, 98, 99. I thought it was like the market genius that I knew it all. You know, I just don't lose on trades. You know, they all come back eventually. <laughs> all that stuff. And then I started up right trading. In 1999, and I realized I knew nothing. Huh. And I learned from so many fantastic traders at, at Bright Trading. Half the traders in 1999 came from the floor. Obviously, the one I learned the most from was Joel Alcarn, who's sitting here right now. You know, he had you know so many you know, and he had different ways of looking at the markets. A lot of technicals too, but you understood those relationships as well, Joel. I mean, we talked about you know, an S and P futures always the driver then, and listening to Ben yeah. Lichtenstein back in the day to yeah. try to get a little bit of an edge. So understanding how the markets are interconnected with relationships, that's the boring stuff they don't talk about in the media and on CNBC. That's the stuff that makes money. Why do you think Citadel and Virtue 
they're doing arbitrage. Yes, they're doing market making. Yes, but they're doing other stuff like this as well, where they understand the interconnections. The bots understand the interconnections to it all too. So there's huge edges in this. So understanding your groupings, like the, I, if, the first lesson I would give to new traders just starting out isn't how to read a technical book. Group your stocks It's actually together. grouping stocks. Take all your stocks, your S&P 500, and group them. Just put them in groups so you know what moves with what. And then going in. And people are like, what are you talking about? Look at Target Walmart going opposite. We've got to understand, Target Walmart are not connected right now. You have a leadership group and a laggard group. So they move yeah. around too. And understanding those new groupings, that's how you get the edge over the bots, folks. This is exactly what my afternoon show is based on. Start swing trade, right? I talk about sectors, industries, groupings. and that's all I point to. Literally, I move backwards from sectors to industries to stocks. Not what majority of traders do sometimes is they come in the morning and they just look at the gappers list. They move from stocks and then wondering why that stock is moving. Got to know your relationships, team. Let's yeah. get to Cisco. Oh. Cisco Systems Q1 EPS here at a dollar uh dollar 11 beats the dollar 3 cent estimate. Sales of 14.67 billion beats the 14.62 billion estimate. Cisco cut fiscal year 24 revenue guidance from 57 billion to 58.2 billion to 53.8 and 55. Uh, 55 billion on the high end. Uh, their ad EPS outlook at 4.01 to 4.08 now uh, from that down to 3.87 and 3.93. They did say on the call that they saw a slowdown of new product orders in Q1. So this is definitely affecting them. And it looks like this is going to be a little bit of a key reversal here as the monthly chart was actually looking pretty decent as it was starting to work its way back. But now a little bit of leaders down. to laggards here too. Cisco has been a leader and he can say, oh, well, it's off the highs, but really it's not off the highs. Like a lot of other stocks were off the highs. Leadership, tech, some tech leadership. So a little bit of that here, but a little bit, they just lowered guidance. I mean, when you lower guidance, you get hit, especially when your stock is not sitting in the gutter like Target was sitting in the gutter. Um, again, again, understand your relationships too. I, so before we get on the relationship talk, I said I did make a bad trade in this one. Again, you know, I make bad trades lots of times. I make bad calls. The reason, you know, I'm successful is I'm pretty decent at working out of the bad stuff, but I got run over in Cisco. I was trying to be a hero, Joel. You always tell me, don't catch a falling knife. Wait for the first green candle. I couldn't wait. It was down six bucks, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, they're going to bounce this. They're going to bounce this. So I bought a 47 and a half, and it was 45 in my face, like like five. It felt like five seconds later. It was about a minute later or two minutes later. And I'm like, man, that was just stupid trying to catch the falling knife. It bounced up into the 46 handles and I worked out of it. I ended up losing a buck. It's back at 47 and a half now. I know. So your retail trader normally, oh, you don't sell a loss. So it came all the way back. But a lot of times they don't. So you've got to cut those losers as best you can. It was chopping around like crazy. So I ended up losing a buck on it. But it was just a bad call trying to catch the falling knife. And well, the other reason too, the other reason yeah. you pair out of it is you like you know your your opportunity costs. Like you're stuck, you're wrong, right? And what are you going to do? Sit there and you know worry about that trade? So you know. And this is a fantastic point too, Joel. The opportunity costs I talk about all the time. It was kind of a slow night, so I I normally <laughs> wouldn't trade Cisco, but there was like really reporting last night was Cisco and Palo Alto Networks, and it was kind of a slow night. Cisco was driving the bus, so I'm like. Let me dab and just show, do my good tape reading skills here. And it wasn't even about tape reading. It was just down six bucks. And I tried to be like, it's too much. I tried to be the hero trade. The hero trade is usually a zero trade. Don't be a hero. 
don't try. So that ended up, you know, costing me some money there. Deserved loss. Uh, I'm a little disappointed in myself because I've had this long term and I, I don't know how many years I've had it. And when uh, it you had the nice over there. Yeah, it, it, it had the nice run. And then I got concerned on this day here. They did a big acquisition. And I and to me that the, the streak just didn't like it at all. They they rendered their opinion. And I thought, man, if this doesn't fill the gap, if this doesn't, you know, get back into this area, I think it's time to let it go before the next earnings report. And I did it. And then you had all this uh all this daily resistance. So the street had some big sellers. Now, I mean, I I don't know what the heck to do with it. I mean, maybe if it ever comes back to fill that gap at 53, I, I will do it. But um, pre-market low, 44.70. I don't think you're going to see that. Uh, boy, nothing on the monthlies. I'll get two months, well, 46 handle. If you get, if you get under 46 today, I'd say uh, look for some bids to thicken up pre-market and then i'd say 48 just under 48 is resistance so uh then that's just based on the 30 minute chart so whoever scooped it up under 47 they're trying to wiggle out just under 48 here in the cisco kid very disappointing here alibaba with some trouble ahead as alibaba's group holdings q2 adjusted eps at 27 cents this was up 21 percent year over year sales were at 30.81 billion up nine percent year over year but then they said that newly expanded u.s export controls rules may materially and adversely affect its cloud intelligence group and could more generally hinder the business by limiting their ability to upgrade technology technology capabilities so uh looks like the battle between china and u.s actually starting to affect some of these china stocks the the actually killed the spinner off here too so the big news and i do yeah, believe that, this is yep. a big reason why the stock is down they scrapped the cloud business spinoff citing u.s chip curbs was the reason for that so they did announce a, a dollar uh dividend as well so they said some good stuff here uh, but the spin off, I think, is really clouding it as well. Um, huge support, Joel. I go on oh, that bubble chart. This 80 is just absolutely enormous. Like, we have bounced off this 80 a half dozen times in the past. So, support is support until it's broken. And, you know, the old NVIDIA undercut and rally trick here, you wonder if you don't get something like that here, too. So, I actually think I might be a buyer of Alibaba on this dip, although I'm probably going to wait a day and just see, you know, if we actually do get the undercut and rally. Man, and this is, uh, you know, you had all the nice, nice talk, uh, in, you know, yesterday between Xi and Biden and these stocks. It was just kind of like a Saudi event, right? Like uh, Xi's coming over here. He said, you know, we're not invading I Taiwan. I saw bad talk. He every- said some good stuff. I, I saw know. some bad stuff there, though. You, what you what else didn't stuff? you like? No, what, you, what didn't you like? I, I didn't like when he told Biden that Taiwan was the biggest, most dangerous issue in the U.S.-China ties. And then Biden responded by assuring that uh, Washington was determined to maintain peace in the region. I think he was trying to tell him there, like, leave Taiwan alone because that's yeah. that's our business there. And if yeah. you want to step out of that and we'll be cool with you, go ahead and do so. But if you want to keep protecting them, we ain't going to be friends. Yeah. Well, and he it's also different. said when we know she, you can't yeah. believe anything he's saying either. So that's true. That's What's true. he gonna come over, you know, and and say like, 
Oh yeah. yeah, we're invading Taiwan. It's imminent here. I mean, I think I'd he gave like, him an out. He, he gave him the out there. Like, hey, if you want to step out of it and not protect them, go ahead and do so. But I don't know, man. I don't trust China one bit. No, I don't either. I don't. It was a run either. up into the news event with him coming over, and then Baba yeah. releases this today. So uh, investors are just just upside down if, if they were chasing that move. Dennis talked about, you know, the longer term support here at 80. You did trade lower in the pre-market and after uh, down to 79.20. So I think Dennis made a good point there. You know, give it a day, let it breathe, get a couple lows, see if you can establish a couple lows um, in that area. But uh, Alibaba down seven bucks. So big move uh, trading 80 or 88 yesterday and now in the upper 70 handle palo alto networks q1 adjusted one dollar and 38 beat the one dollar and 16 cent estimate sales of 1.88 billion beat the 1.84 billion estimate they do see q2 adjusted eps a dollar 29 to a dollar 31 versus a dollar 25 estimate and total revenues on the high end also above the estimate here uh, also, total revenues also above that estimate. So not looking too bad on the report here, but definitely taking a hit. Leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders. This is the market that we are in right now. Palo, Palo Alto has undoubtedly been a leader. I believe it came close. Didn't quite touch a new all-time oh, high yesterday. Wow. But within a buck of the all-time high, and there's major resistance up there too. So, I mean, it's just not the play right now at this moment in time to be buying stocks at all-time highs going into reports. It's been the play to buy this trash into the reports because those are the ones they seem to be buying. So, um, I, I think I do think Palo Alto dip eventually gets bought. I'm not going to do it on day one because this leadership change is spooking me a little bit. Uh, but I think you keep an eye on this. I think Palo Alto is a great company and probably eventually the dip does get bought, but I'm not buying today. Uh, mentioning that gap in here, I don't really I don't know how relevant it's going to be. 254.60 was the bottom of yesterday's range. So if you get a look at that, then uh, who be a little bit surprised, but I'm just not going to look at the monthly either. And this is, you know, just pre-market action after hours action right now. I'd say 240 to 245. I know that's tight range here for a stock that's had a big move, but you've had you've had buyers here at 240. So that is one star support. I don't think we're going to see the pre-market low of 226.08. And I'd even go lower than that. I'd say you got to clear out this 244 seller here for the last two hours. So it's tight there. Pick your poison between 240 and 244. What do you guys say, Bath and Body Works, or should we talk some oil? Uh, do Bath and Body Works. It's fun. We'll do that one, sure. All right, let's go to it. Bath and Body Works, of course, it's a, kind of a seasonal time for this. Uh, get your candles, right? Q3 adjusted EPS, 48 cents beats a 35 cent estimate. Sales of 1.562 billion beat the 1.56 billion estimate. They now expect 23 net sales to decline 2.5% to 4% with a previous view of a decline of 1.5 and 3.5%. So not looking that great on that out outlook. No. They did raise, though, their lower end of 23 adjusted EPS outlook. But, yeah, that uh, net sales decline doesn't look the best. And not, not a great guidance. And they're never going to buy the stocks usually when the guidance isn't great um, or even passes. It didn't really even pass. But it's not getting killed. And the reason it's not getting killed is it's already been killed. I mean, the stock is beat up. 
It's, it was $80 a year and a half ago. It's 31 bucks now. It's definitely the definition of a laggard. Um, so with that happening and laggard still holding up well, um, I don't know if I'm trading this one because the report wasn't. You know, yeah, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a curveball. So sometimes just don't swing at the pitch. Uh, what you need to see here is, uh, let's see. I mean, the pre-market action or the, yeah, the after-hours action. We dipped under 31, but um, I think the setup here is at yesterday's low. Yesterday's low was 3211. Someone better make a stand there, right around 32, 32.10. And maybe, you know, you can see that closing price right there. Minor resistance at the mark, 32.50. I would just look out if it loses, you know, if it, you know, opens up 32 and is heavily offered because the next day's low is not until 30.74. So make sure if you're trading this one that uh, you get a bit at 32 off the open. All right, guys, at 8.30, we will be getting initial jobless claims consensus. Their number every day? 20,000 prior being 217,000. Get ready to go Are wide, Are you making me go baby. wide on this, Joel? Wide. Or wide? Uh, um, no. I, I don't know, What man. if the jobless they, claims spike? Is that like... Yeah, like the last make- time, the last, the last like five job reports, I would have said maybe don't look, but the way that the numbers have been reacting with I'm the market scared. the last two days, oh gosh, you never know, right? So, yeah, time to go wide, baby. We'll see what happens <laughs> here, of course, as we get the numbers. are going to come in in just a second here, um, and we'll see if things change tunes, right? Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm even starting to feel like this rip is a little bit too much. I was talking about historical RSIs yesterday and how there's so many stocks that are overbought now. We went from extreme oversold. Now we're extreme overbought. In, 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 a, in the snap of a fingers, we went in from a snap. extreme oversold to extreme overbought. I mean, the QQQ rally. So I was looking at a tweet yesterday. I don't know who it was from. It took three months for the QQQs to sell Ooh, off that, that 14%. And it took three weeks for it to get it all back. That's unbelievable. I mean, the that. Under, yeah, if you were not puking out your portfolio <laughs> and looking at it in October saying, oh my gosh, I got all these crappy stocks. I mean, you hate everybody now. <laughs> a great opportunity to lighten up. 388. I did not go wide. Wow. I stayed out there. Algos picked Uh-oh. me off. Citadel, lick your chops. It moved. It, it Dude, that I thing went that. 440. We're popping. Probably a weak number wide. here. Probably a weak number. On all the right, I'm going wide. Like, you speak me. Yeah, yeah right. it started moving, man. The markets were moving there. Forty-five seventeen. We're back. We got back halfway on the session. Uh, the close. Right. I got the close it here. Nineteen and a quarter. Nineteen and a quarter. Let's see if we can get green on the session. Initial jobless claims coming in at two hundred and thirty-one thousand versus two hundred and twenty thousand estimates. So a little bit hot there. Then Philadelphia Fed manufacturing index at negative five point nine versus a negative nine estimate. Negative nine being the prior. Um, some import prices also coming in here, negative 8% versus a negative 0.3 estimate. So not good there on the import. Let's see export here, negative 1.1 versus a negative 0.5 estimate. Also a little bit of a negative there on the exports. Um, but hey, you guys see it. Slowdown? Market's actually reacting to an up move. Are they actually rallying on when we're starting to show a little bit of a slowdown here? Yeah, I think we're yeah, starting that, to... That's what uh, I see, I, Dennis, too. I don't think you're wrong in, in that uh, thinking immediately. Bond's got to pop off this. The 30-year bond, Dennis, if you were keeping the eye on the TLT, that, that had a nice spike here. 
Yep, that drives a bus. The all-important number is a little bit higher for the bond market, and that is an exact double top at 115 and 23.30 seconds. We'll keep an eye on that for the TLT. We got to keep an eye on, ooh, we're back above 89 here, 89.50. Your number for the TLT for uh, equates to 90.16. So the bond market pulling up here, the... Uh, uh, here, I'll make this uh, the, the pulling up the equities. I think today is a, is a pretty important day for the market, Dennis. I mean, you know, it not, it, not yeah. great earnings reports. We had a higher close, but it didn't feel like that strong of an up day. So I think the battle, uh, the close, you know, if we could get it green today, then, man, I'll be like, whew. Yeah, 4,600, here we come. Just feels like it's a little little thick out At there. At what point doctors. in time does bad news actually become bad news, though? Because jobless claims <laughs> going up, like we're going to buy like how Paul on said, that. maybe in thing. January it'll change. He's, he's yeah, seeing the Paul, next year. you're right. Like at some point in time, bad news is actually going to become bad news because my prediction is that we do go into recession in 2024, that we do see a slowdown. The economic data that's coming in slowly right now is starting to show that slowdown, even when you see the CPI, oh, a little bit light. Well, why is it light? Is it, It's light because of higher it's rates. Expensive. So higher yep. rates are starting to show up. So I think eventually bad news will be bad news. But right now, they're still plotting bad news, good news. This was kind of in line, too. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, the jobless claims number. I mean, it's a little bit high. So where can I get a Benzinga t-shirt? Look right here, baby. That's the one thing that kept, has really kept me out of the full-blown recession camp, you know, for the last couple of years that we talked about it on the show. is like, when is the unemployment going to turn? You know, and that's, um, that's yeah, you know, that's it. And we're straight. I know. I know. Um, my drive through indicators at the fast food restaurant <laughs> is not. I mean, there's We're not still busy, man. No, it's money. slowing down. It's slowing down. They're only like three or four. It's not like it was. Uh, so I know people are running out of little pocket change. But what is important is we got Blue Putnam coming on tomorrow. And blue, oh, blue, he will, was, blue will tell us what's up. Yeah, he was pretty. Oh, boy, he, was, blue. he was pretty spot boy. on. Yeah, he was pretty spot boy. on when we had him on last time. So we'll see what he thinks. He's uh, always spot on. We love blue. Well, there is somebody in the back that uh, I would think is, is really spot on, right? Um, we know who that is, right? We call him the stat man. Some people, you know, and, and, and I got to say, He's always the man that comes prepared with the stats, right? It's not He's just, you know, stats. off his mind. He brings the charts. He brings it all. And if you guys aren't following this guy, then you're definitely missing out. Who would that be, chat? Throw it up in the chat if you guys got this one. I want, I want to put you guys to the test. You might have heard it earlier. Let's get to the action. You guys know what time it is. It's time. It's that man time. Good morning, Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist at the Carson Group. Guys and gals are going to be very disappointed at this next segment because we're just going to talk about the game. Here's the question. Do you keep the stats of the games as much as you keep the stats of the stock market? Because you're the Ooh, stat man of the stock that'd market. That'd be interesting. Well, you know, so I... um. 
I don't gamble if that's what we're getting at. No, when it comes to sports, <laughs> I, I cheer. But my son, though, my son is 12, and I'm looking at him like either he's going to be like something else or he's going to be a bookie because he is all about that, the cover, the spread, the over, the under. He's obsessed with <laughs> Iowa, right? Everyone's obsessed with Iowa because Iowa keeps winning, yet they never score any points, right? So he's obsessed with how Iowa keeps coming in at the under. So we'll, we'll see. But anyway, that's not a recommendation like to gamble. That. Um, but just it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> right, give me give me one comment on a Michigan Ohio State game, and I'll give you one comment, and then we'll we can debate this offline. Yeah, I mean Ohio State's defense is light years better. They've given up only one 40-yard play all year. Last year they gave up like it felt like seven every game. So their defense is better and it doesn't give up many big plays. So that's that's a better thing than last year. I'll put it that way. They don't although they don't have CJ Stroud. So hey, you give and take, you know. Okay, my, my one comment is uh, um, just we got to contain Marvin Harrison. I mean, if that guy has over 100 yards, we will yeah. lose the game. I mean, I yeah, think our I mean, offense is good. He he is he is the real deal. He hasn't scared me, you know, like, you know, I haven't seen a player like him in a long time. But, all right. I mean, so we, well, we I, had, I mean, believe me, I've watched High State 30 years of my life. He's the best wide receiver. They have some good ones. But I, I know yeah. we need to get into this, so let's get into it. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. so when we had you on before. Yep. Uh, you know, we were all oh, oh, crying, the market's going down, but you were like, no, no, we're going back up. So we went back up probably a little bit faster than you thought. Where are we at on this rally? Uh, yeah, okay, here I, we go. Share screen. Tell me you see that. We good? We good. Got it. All right, perfect. So, yeah, I mean, I, I came on, and now the to have – I mean, let's put this – I know, you know, sometimes maybe some shorter traders listen to this, but – Bigger picture, after the first seven months of this year, is the best start to a year since 1997. We said, listen, August, September could be some indigestion. Clearly, that played out. We did not expect October to quite be as weak as it was. Um, nonetheless, the war happened. You know, yields continue to go higher. But one thing that in the first chart here, same as ever, right? On the left, I've got just over-the-top bearish sentiment that we saw at the end of October. It really felt like, you know, everyone a marketing yeah. correction. Everything's going down. Yeah. It's into the world. That is um, a survey in, in barons of advisors, but asking what their clients felt. I get to work with advisors all the time. Let me tell you, the 12% were bullish a couple weeks ago. It felt like maybe even less than that. I mean, nobody was bullish. And what does that mean? Well, the average year on the right bottoms on October 27th. And I know there's lots of things. I shared some of these charts with you guys last time I was on, actually, seasonality charts. It's a list. Choppiness now makes sense. Late October ending the year would also make sense for an upward bias. Clearly, that's kind of played out. Now, I've shared this with you guys every time for a year. I'm going to keep sharing it, I guess, because it has worked out. This is the four-year presidential cycle based down on quarters, break, broken down on quarters. The best three quarters were the fourth quarter last year and the first two quarters this year. 7% gain, 7% gain, 8% gain for the S&P 500. The third, so that's when stocks should be strong. Stocks should be kind of weak in the third quarter of a pre-election year. Well, that's kind of played out. And then to see some strength in the fourth quarter is perfectly, perfectly normal. But here's where things get interesting. Let me, let me skip ahead. I'll jump back. We knew coming into this year, it's a pre-election year. Everybody under the sun talked about pre-election years being strong, yes, but nobody really had optimistic views on the market a year ago right now. We came into the year saying no recession, about a 15% gain on the S&P. People thought we were crazy for saying that, um, but it's kind of played out, and this is one of the reasons. We've never had a recession in a pre-election year back to World War II. All right? You've never had a recession when you made 5 million jobs the year before. In fact, we've never made that many jobs before. When you make 3 million jobs the next year, is like never had a recession back to the 70s. So some reasons to think there's no recession stocks maybe do better but here's what's interesting 20 percent when you have a first term president like we do now but check it out midterm years under first term president aren't that great that played out 
here's what really is important, I think, for investors. Next year is an election year. We're going to hear about 2000 and 2008, horrible years for stocks. Yes, they were also election years. They're also lame duck presidents. Now, I'm not saying the president changed what happened in 2000. President, I guess it'd be uh, President Clinton because of the tech bubble and obviously President um, uh, George Bush too because of the financial crisis in 2008. But what I am saying is when you have a first-term president, the stock market's up about 12% those election years. And check this out. Never been lower the last 10 presidents. I mean, it, it's one of those, it is what it is. You don't blindly invest in this stuff. But when you put all these blocks on top of each other, it's one of the big reasons I come on with you guys a year ago saying, hey, we could be in the midst of a pretty good size overall run. I get small caps and mid caps. We get into that stuff. But overall, the market's done pretty good if you've just been a, um, you know, kind of a buy and hold investor. And that's just something I think interesting. What did I have? We'll just keep going. The Zweig, I'm guessing you guys had some guests talk about this, but we had that Zweig breath thrust. Keep it simple. When you're super oversold and then super overbought within 10 days that triggers i've got some data back from ned davis back to 1920s it's only happened you can see 14 times since 1950 again it is what it is you see the return six months later pretty strong a year later never been lower so let's just check that off and i get the argument and i, I can't disagree with this i talked to ned davis about this you used to have things trading in eights right remember that now it's in pennies so it's a little easier to get a lot of all the stocks moving the same way i'm still saying i put this in the polish camp the, we've been in the rare camp saying the Fed is done for a couple months now because inflation's coming back. Now, finally, right, finally, people are agreeing with us. The one on the left I want to focus on, that's private data on, on rents, right? Zillow, apartment list. I've got apartment list there. Zillow looks similar. We know rent prices soar, but let's just think about this. Housing and um, used cars make up about 55% of core CPI. Used cars have been negative year over year, 14 months in a row. We just had a big drop in Mannheim used car index again. And we've seen finally... We saw the private data, this is one on the left now, private data has been saying one thing, we just saw some things crack on shelter, I think, in that recent CPI number. That's why the market went crazy on Tuesday, in our opinion, one of the literally the strongest breath days we've seen in years, like all time for, for small caps practically. 97% of stocks in the Russell 2 were up on Tuesday. That's, to me, not a bear market rally. That's a little stronger and probably a good thing. And I come on to you guys for a while and say we are overweight small. Believe me, we started in the middle of the year. Believe me, it's been uncomfortable, but this is why, because we thought inflation's coming back we thought the fed was done the stuff has gotten beaten up the most is probably going to do well this year and even into next year as the fed is done we think the fed's going to start cutting which i'll talk about in a second i know probably need to move forward um uh, down three months in a row coming into November. And I get it. This, some of the stuff I mentioned in October didn't work. I, you know, it, it, it didn't work. But still, I wouldn't ignore some of these seasonal things. When you're down three months in a row, November has never been lower. Hey, this November is off to a roaring start, obviously. December, usually a little follow through. And the rest of the year is usually strong as well. What do I have here? Um, when you're down in October, but still positive for the year. Similar, similar numbers, right? Pretty strong November, pretty strong final two months again. Now, here's, I think this might be my last one. I'll spend a minute on this and we can talk. I think one of the key things, we think one of the key things will be in our outlook that we're producing right now. Again, our outlook last year, we said no recession and still strong bull market, right? We got some funny looks for it. We still think we're probably not going to be as strong in equities next year, but we still think, you know, stocks are going to do a good deal higher uh, when all is said and done, potentially low double digits when all is said and done. But productivity back to the 90s in the mid 90s was the last time we had really strong productivity you know what happened mid 90s everyone 94 the fed hiked rates bonds didn't do so well 95 february 95 was the last time the fed hiked and then the market sniffed out potential cutting the fed cut and you know what happened wages stayed strong inflation stayed low productivity was high productivity is the key to this whole thing because we haven't seen productivity for a while right you can see the numbers here the annualized productivity hadn't been as strong the last two quarters productivity's run at four percent annualized we think next year into next year 
We're going to have stronger productivity. This is key to the whole thing because more productivity means you can pay higher wages, but inflation is capped. In the 70s, had massive inflation, massive wages. We had low productivity. So, again, this is kind of putting the – I know I'm talking macro, big picture views. This is how we see the world. So when we have these 10% pullbacks, we have these 5% pullbacks, we use an opportunity. We manage real money. My team manages real money. We, we added equity risk twice this year, in March and in late October. Okay, I mean, so, you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak, with a lot of these big picture things. There's no recession. Things are still strong. And if productivity stays strong into next year, follow those numbers. It's bigger picture for the more, you know, intermediate term, the longer term investors that don't panic when we have a normal 10% correction. Because that's what we saw a few weeks ago. Everybody panics. Well, I'll take a breath. There's a lot there. What do you guys want to talk about? If you want to talk about oh, I'm the good saying, I'm advise- saying you should have been an auctioneer. I advise Holy everybody right. to play and that if you back. You're so good at markets. You've definitely got a career in, in being auctioning because nobody could speak more clearly and quicker than Ryan Dietrich. I talk pretty I want fast, his coffee man, brand but too, he man. puts out so much. I don't drink coffee. In I, I don't listen. Is, and he always water. makes me feel better because, you know, I start getting a little bit bearish. Ryan comes out and smacks me in the face with some stat. I'm like, you know what? It kind of makes sense. This guy makes good calls, man. So you know what? You gotta listen to Ryan. Honestly, unbelievable five minutes of information right. there. You gotta replay that three times to catch it all, though. That's yeah. great, Ryan. It felt longer than five minutes. It was only five <laughs> minutes. I tried to fire. Right I think it was only five minutes. Oh, all right. You, you showed the presidential hair. cycle. We've seen this a million times. Mm-hmm. I, I love that yep. you always bring this back up because it's important, right, to just continue on that trend so that you guys can see it also, the audience. Um, now, of course, one thing that I do catch on there, though, is that Q1 in year four is usually statistically really weak, right? Are we expecting to see a slowdown going into January? Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be too shocked by that. Like you said, you can potentially see that a little bit of weakness. I mean, honestly, January, I know this this January was strong, right? We had a 5% jump this January. When you're in, you have a big drop the year before. We've seen that slingshot effect. I, I think it was like up 25% on average previous years when that potentially happens. But lately, January hasn't been that strong. February is one of those weak months. So, yeah, I mean, we you know, we have a ripper of a year-end rally, and we do think that's still the case with some of these breath thrusts and things that we're starting to see. November 2nd, and then I guess it was, what, two days ago so november 14th those were two historically strong breath days you want to see some of those kind of close together it's november it's that year end so if we get a little year end chase maybe we could see some weakness but again to us it's not overly concerning and here's one more thing i mean presidential stuff don't don't shoot the messenger here what i was talking about earlier i mean markets can do okay because normally a first-term president wins i know it's not perfect i get it but markets don't like what they don't like uncertainty well, who's probably going to run here, right? One president currently sitting, one president who was the president. Is the market going to be shocked with anything? I mean, it's always a shock, believe me. But is it going to be surprised? Maybe not. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, markets do a little bit better, you know, into an election year because there's pr- probably less uncertainty. Because you know, there's not a, probably going to be a new person sitting in office this time. It might be the older guy or the older older guy. <laughs> it's kind of how it's going to be, right? Ryan, what if what if we don't get those rate cuts? I mean, I know yeah. Goldman and Morgan were arguing about, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Um, what you know? I and personally, I mean, rates are steady, people are making yeah. money here. What what? How does this scenario change if the because if they if they uh, start to lower rates, that's mm-hmm. going to be because we're sleeping, you know, we're slipping into a recession. If we're slipping into a recession, then that's bearish. So, mm-hmm. talk to us about if there's no rate cuts. Great point. I mean, so our our take there, and I, again, I said it really fast. If productivity is high, we don't think there's going to be a recession, right? We think this is more normalizing. So in the mid in ninety five ninety six, the Fed cut. Because, again, the economy was on firm footing. You had higher productivity. Greenspan understood 
higher productivity means you can cut. Maybe we raise, remember in 94, they raised rates a lot. What happened? Orange County went under. We raised rates a lot this time. What happened? SVB and the financial crisis. So you, you can upset that awful apple cart when you hike rates more than expected. But again, we think they can cut rates later this year. Not a bunch. I'm not saying a bunch. Believe me, they cut rates 200 basis points. That's probably a bad thing. It means the economy is drastically slowing. We think the economy is more normalizing here. But I'll just to kind of answer your question a different angle here, though. If the economy continues to strengthen, you know, that could be inflationary, right? I mean, so if you have a really strong economy going forward, but we're not, we don't think it's going to be a rip-roaring economy. I think it's more just normalizing. Everybody's freaking out about, you know, the jobs numbers. Well, you know, we averaged 400,000 jobs a month last year. That's not normal. Between 100 to 250,000 is a little more normal. We've been kind of, that's just kind of the, the path to normal. This is kind of what we called our outlook 12 months ago, right? Getting back to normal. These are all just part of the process, but if productivity stays strong, um, they can cut and it's not going to be because there's a recession coming. That's That's our base case. Wow. I'll jump in so here. I'll, we were, we were leading you up. Dennis. I lost my Normally is loaded. Dennis is normally loaded. Ready to go. We Joel and I were like, where's Dennis here? This is normally Dennis's spot here. I know. He's like, got in here. And I'm like, I think, I think what it is, Ryan, is you're, you're even, you're turning Dennis here. Dennis is right now like, there's like a little bull on the this, left shoulder this hard and a little landing bear on the right come. shoulder. A little, a little Dietrich over here and a little yeah, bear on Dietrich <laughs> over here. A little Peter Schiff over here. And I don't know who to listen to. <laughs> a little Tom Lee. Yeah. Tom, right, I mean, so, Tom Lee. You know I'm not a fan of Tom Lee. But. I know that one. <laughs> I know He's the only out there that I'm really not a fan All of. All right. But. So, so, Dennis, you, you've been thinking about that we could go into recession, right? Expand on that mentality and, and talk to Ryan here why you feel that. And I'm sure Ryan has some stats here to back up his side. Well, again, I'm just looking, you know, higher rates here, and I mm -hmm. don't see them lowering rates until we start to actually see an economic slowdown. And maybe it's not necessarily a recession, but I just feel like that, you know, I, and again, I don't look at all the data that you know, at Ryan, and you know, you're fantastic with the data. I just kind of look at the big picture mm -hmm. here and think yeah. higher rates for longer eventually hit like Canada is an official recession right now. We've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. Mm -hmm. Canada's a little bit different situation because Canada, basically the banks only give out five year fixed mortgages. So it's going mm -hmm. to hit Canada first, this slowdown, because all of a sudden, you know, we're like a year into higher rates. While this slow trickle of people, oh, my mortgage is coming due. I'm going from two to eight. And mm -hmm. now I'm like, I got to cut my spending here. So maybe the U.S. has been cushioned because obviously everybody's sitting on these 30-year fix and it's been cushioned a little bit more. But I mean, uh, when I'm looking at, you know, what's happening around me in Canada, maybe excuse yep. me a bit, it is starting to slow down here a little mm -hmm. bit. So th thoughts just you know, on how, you know, the, the consumer, you know, obviously is navigated by higher rates for its short term, but right. can they continue to navigate these higher rates? If rates do stay higher for longer, if they do, does it not eventually equal some type of a slowdown? Yeah, no, it does. It does. I think it's a slowdown. I mean, just literally today, okay, I'm going to CarMax. My daughter turned 16 a week ago. We're getting her a car and, and we're doing the financing thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, the, how much am I supposed to pay a month here? And I it's know. like, you, it's real world. You realize, oh, I got a car a few years ago. Whoa, this is like a couple hundred dollars a month more. And it's the same price car. So, you know, it, it's real world when, when you see things like that. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, the, the consumer, I mean, they continue to, at least in the U.S., uh, almost like, you know, showing no signs of slowing down. And I get some of the cracks. I mean, the Fed just had the, the study a week ago that showed some of the delinquencies, 90-day delinquencies are starting to creep up a little bit. But then you take a bigger look. It's just kind of where we were pre-COVID, right? So, again, is it normalizing or is it slowing, I think, is the big question. We'd say it's more, it's more normalizing than anything. And here's a couple other things for you. I mean, literally, the consumer is one thing. But the truth is... 
balance sheets in the U.S. for big corporations are in really good shape, right? I mean, like half of all debt is fixed um, for small caps, right? So that I means that's why small caps have been hit so hard because the other half isn't fixed. But so as rates go higher, debt costs more. You know, large cap companies locked in a ton of debt. Remember, Microsoft locked in things like yeah, 2.6%. Now you're making five and a half percent. I know. So the truth is balance sheets for big corporations in the U.S. are really good because they did a good job by locking in debt. Maybe it was smart. Maybe it was dumb luck. Whatever it was. U.S. corporations are still in good shape, and those drive profits and do things. I know the consumer matters. I get it. But one final thing here. if Let's say we do get a rate cut or two. What's that going to do for housing? Housing's like 5% of GDP, oh, yep. but it's on it steroids, okay? Housing's come crashing down in the U.S. and other parts. I get it. But I think people are clamoring to do something there. So that's one part of the economy that nine quarters in a row, negative GDP from housing. We just got a tick of, of GDP growth in housing, actually, last quarter. Like I guess it's third quarter. Third quarter data. Who knows? Maybe we get a little more housing data uh, growth because we clearly haven't been for nine quarters with what's happened with the fed and interest rates ryan what could happen that you know uh i know you look at your data over long term here but is there you know it, what what would turn you i mean i know you're you're yeah. very uh entrenched in your statistics but you know things out of the blue i, I guess a couple wars aren't aren't, aren't really uh, bothering things here what it you know Big uptick in inflation. What what do, what do you see as a potential? Yeah, at the end of the day, analyst. I kind of say I follow the credit markets, right? I mean, if, the, if we're not seeing, I mean, we heard about this credit event. People were talking about this a few weeks ago. Yet, triple B spreads, investment in corporate spreads, they weren't blowing out. They were a little bit higher, yes. So, uh -huh. to me, if there's a monster under the bed, the credit markets and credit spreads are going to show up. We look at that every single day. We're with a really smart guy named Sonu Varghese. We do have, hopefully it's okay, we have a podcast, Facts versus Feelings, a weekly podcast. We break this stuff down. He looks at all this macro stuff, and he just continues to see real positives under the surface so sony starts to see weakness and i'll talk about it you know if he tells me he sees it we're not seeing it yet and we see stress in the credit markets then we probably change our tune from saying we've been over listen we went overweight equities the second week of december last year to say people hated when we did that would be an understatement and then the market rally and people keep making fun of you and yelling at you and then they, they get a little quiet you know when you when you have something when a year like this takes place and i'll be honest though the, the other big wild card for us we still like small and mid caps and we've liked them you know, since the second half of this year, and they haven't really worked. But some of these big themes I just was talking about, the Fed is done. If yields go lower, we've seen what's happened, right? We <laughs> saw that rally in small caps. Um, yeah. And we, we're optimistic that small caps going to show some alpha, at least in the first half of next year. And that's how we're positioning the portfolios and models we run for our Carson partners. Yeah, I mean, right. I've been in these small caps, and they've been an epic disaster. Like, not to yep. say they've underperformed. They've been just disastrous, Ryan. I mm -hmm. mean, October lows were breached. Small caps are sitting at two-year lows, really. So, I mean, is the catch-up trade coming? Like, Or if the rates stay high, is this just another rally to, so, to sell? Because I go back to your balance sheet yep. comment here, too. I know we're keeping it a little bit longer. I mean, the mega caps you know, do have the great balance sheets, and a lot of these small caps don't have the great balance sheets. And a lot of these small caps maybe can't handle higher rates for longer. So I look at this mm -hmm. rally in small caps and thinking, maybe I should dump some small caps, and maybe I should start moving back into the mega cap tech. I mean, what mm -hmm. are your thoughts there? Because it's been a really nice rally in the IWM in the last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, historic, historic rally, I think, really, for, for small caps. Um, you know, also, you look at IWM versus Russell 600, right? IWM, even though it's Russell 2000, there's like, what, 1,600 stocks in there. A lot of yeah. them don't make any money. A lot of them are junk, yeah. right, so to speak. But the Russell, I'm sorry, the SP 600, a lot of those are making money, and that's actually outperformed the last couple of months or so. So maybe there's a little signal there. But I, I just to be honest, Dennis, we're, we're still thinking small caps are a place to be, mid caps. We like mid caps, too. 
<laughs> I get so choked up talking about this catch up um, trade. You know, we, we, we do we do think those are still areas uh, to to be um, to be in. Maybe wait for a little pullback after this huge rally. But um, we're optimistic that that was the low. Um, you know, recent uh, Tuesday, really Tuesday. I mean, that was the low. We think there's going to be a change and and the seasonal stuff. I know Jay. You know. Um, JC's talking about this, and who else? Um, um, Almanac Trader. Like, the next six months, small caps do really well. I mean, it is what it is. So that's just some seasonal things to be aware of. Boy, they sure did terrible when they weren't supposed to do so well. So seasonals are lining up. And here's one thing also. If you talk about what's cheap, right? Listen, big cap tech still isn't cheap. Big cap communications isn't cheap. You know what's really cheap? Small caps. They are historically cheap. Now, listen, I've done this 22 years. I've heard for 22 years, EM is cheap. EM is cheap. It didn't always mean you wanted to go into EM. I get it. (laughs) But if you're looking for something that's cheap, you're looking for something that has a driver, which is a Fed that's done. It's probably going to start cutting next year with an economy that's not going into recession because product Activity is higher to us, small caps. And again, final comment a year ago, who wanted to touch tech? Not very many people because it was terrible. I feel I get that feeling with small caps here, so small and mid. So again, it's not like we're making this huge bet. I want to be very clear here. We're just doing little overweights to small and mid in the portfolios we run. Believe me, we've still got some large cap exposure out there. We just think that's where you're going to find some alpha the next call three quarters or so. Uh, remember when uh, Jason came on and a couple few years ago and he said that he listens to videos and like. 2x like double speed yeah. well that's that's what uh, you don't Half need speed. it when you have right chief market strategist at the carson group breaking it down for us i don't know if we're going to talk before the michigan ohio state game uh but uh we, we will be chatting before the end of the year ryan thank you so much thanks guys appreciate thanks, it take ryan. care bye-bye all right wow we, we have much green here, Joel. Ryan I just know. talked the entire market up here. This is the <laughs> Ryan Dietrich rally. It's a joke, but this is the Ryan Dietrich rally here. We just rallied four handles. Had me buying stocks, too. I'm like, man, I better buy some stocks here. We shouldn't be here. moving the market like this. We are green Ryan, here. Ryan, you're just so bullish. You just moved the entire market up. We are joking here, folks. But uh, it's, it's, we've is- had a nice rally since the jobs number. 830, obviously jobless claims were a little higher than expected. That mm-hmm. has ignited the TLT, and what that has really ignited is the small caps to bounce back. At one point in time today, the IWM was down about 0.6% significantly right here. here. We are right actually here. just went green here on the IWM. So clearly, clearly the market liking, um, at least you know, from this perspective, the rally in the TLT. And what I've been talking about is the TLT driving the bus for the IWM. That is what has happened. We've seen a significant rally since that jobless claims number on the TLT and IWM and the overall market is trying to follow suit here. Do you guys think that uh, we've had uh, too long of a rally turnaround day or what we've been looking uh, for? I'm that? not chasing it here. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you, Mitch. I can't chase the market here. Um, at this point in time, you got to wait for dips. If you're really uber bullish and we're going you know, strong to the end of the year, I think you will get more dips. A little bit of dip you had yesterday on a number of stocks. I do think dips are still going to get bought. The bulls are in complete control here now. Um, funny how it's turned from just three weeks ago. Uh, so I'm with you, Mitch. Can't chase here, but buy the dip. Shoes are on. Okay. Uh, S&Ps are just creeping up here. We are green on the session, a point off the high. We have uh, a little disparity between the pre-market high yesterday and the regular session high. Remember in the morning, I said, man, we sold off 20 handles. I don't think we're going to get back to that 41 and a quarter. So what uh, what the bulls need to do here is uh, get us back up to uh, in the 45.37 hand, handle. The next intraday high is 45.37 and a quarter. So that's 16 handles, but it's I think it's going to be like chunk, chunk chunk is uh you know people 
maybe taking some profits ahead of this rally. But tomorrow, we got, as I mentioned earlier, we have the chief economist at the CME Group, Blue Putnam, who's been following this inflation picture uh, with us for the past couple of years. He's been spot on. So we'll see what he has to say. Um, this is uh, We're going to wrap things up here on this Thursday and see if we can make it green. Always good to have you, of course, Dennis Dick, Joel Alconan, guys. You guys keep up with them. And, of course, the closing print at 3.30 with Joel Alconan. Don't miss it. Who will you have on today on the closing I, print, Joel? I, I, I think it's actually me. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. The man himself? Yeah, I know. It's yep. me. Yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll All see right, you guys, guys on you guys the keep up with today. that. Definitely check that out, guys. All right, getting Joel out of here, getting Dennis out of here. We're going to wrap it up, bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. we got a lot more for you guys today, and we do got a webinar today that's going to be important. Of course, what will we be getting into? A little bit of some mining action. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern today. Don't miss that. That'll be after live trading. So if you guys are into mining kind of stocks, maybe check that out. Lithium names will be on there. So Come find out. I know they haven't had a, a good time lately. Hopefully they can tell us what they're looking for and how we can see a little bit of a turnaround in lithium. All right, guys, that's going to be up next. So don't go anywhere. And of course, I'm ready to get into the trading action. Got a lot of swings on, five positions on. I'll be talking about on live trading. If you guys want to keep up with the action, like always, smash that like and hit the subscribe, guys. What are you guys waiting for? We need more of you guys subscribe. There's about like 40% of you guys that are watching this show and not subscribe. What are you guys waiting for? You get this information every single morning. And like always, pre-market prep is here to get your day started. Like always, this is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice. Opinions do not represent those of Benzinga and hosting guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed today. Now to bring you guys over to live trading and let's keep the action flowing.